This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Welcome to the Hero Academy Podcast, the place where we can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes. I believe that frontline heroes such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are heroes without capes. I don't care about politics, only positivity and purpose. I only care about those who have chosen to serve society. I believe in collaboration over competition. Here you will learn the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their passion. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing. Things you can do to make extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next. Inside this podcast each week, you will learn from people like you who are working full time, but still found time to create a course, grow a big team or a large audience or a profitable side hustle. The steps they took, their backstories and how they overcame burnout. The perfect blend of mindset and techniques. I'm your host, David Diem. Now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. All right, family, welcome to this week's episode of the Hero Academy podcast. If you are a police officer, fireman, nurse, or a medical professional, then you are in the right place. This week, I am very, very excited to talk to my friend, Derek Pivko. It took a lot to get him onto this podcast. We had some scheduling conflicts. This man is extremely busy, but I am extremely excited to bring you this episode. He is a cybersecurity student right now and a former retired uh, correction officer, um, deputy sheriff, who worked in the jails. But I'll ask, what's the difference? Um, what's the difference between a correction officer and a uh, deputy sheriff that works in the jails? So when you have a, a deputy sheriff, uh, the, the uh, jail is run by the sheriff's department. Or I can only uh, I broadcast on from what I know from where I work. So I worked at the Cis County uh, Sheriff's Office. It was only for under a year. Realized it wasn't the right fit, so I don't want to waste my time or someone else's. So the, uh, the county sheriff uh, runs our jail. And that's uh, when I was hired off a uh, civil service back in 2015 that uh, they hired me through that. So uh, a lot of people end up uh, transferring to actually becoming a sheriff's officer. And I, I was in corrections very briefly. I appreciated every second that I had there. And I have a lot of learning experience and I have a lot of knowledge from that job that I can transfer to my current current job as well and future careers as well. Uh, I just want to say that it's incredible that you realized that it wasn't for you and you mm-hmm. left. Um, was it a hard decision or was it an easy decision? Easy. Easy. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's the best advice that you would give to someone that's, uh, you know, thinking about making that transition out of their current career and returning to college for a long hiatus in, you know, in order for them to be successful? In life, we have this uh, definition called risk management. When you classify risk management, you're basically breaking down a scenario. You can have what is called risk management and risk analysis. There are two different meanings. However, they also conjugate at the same time. When you're doing risk management, you're basically calculating risk and laying down the, the landscape of it. When you talk about risk analysis, that'd be like pointing up in the sky saying, all right, we have an asteroid coming to our Earth. It's coming at this amount of speed. At what time is this gonna happen? So when you talk about risk management, you are going to be breaking it down saying, all right, what are we doing to prevent this from happening? So it's kind of like a forecast with that. So if someone's looking to uh, change their careers, they have to do the, uh, their landscape as well. Take a risk. One thing about risk, you never know what the outcome is going to be. When I left the sheriff's office, I didn't really have a full full plan as to what I was going to do, but I took a gamble at it. It took me a few years to get to where I'm at. However, it was the best ROI return on investment on my life and mental health as well. Um, what was it that kind of clicked for you that made you make that decision? My personality was changing. I started to see myself as becoming aggressive. Um, 
one of my uh, my sergeant actually one of the nicest people you ever meet if you ran into him he would be your best friend you'd be replacing your best friend so I, I apologize for your current best friend but sergeant milner would would be anyone's friend but um he gave me a really good piece of advice one night I worked the overnight shift because I was one of the uh, the newer guys, so they usually stick the new guys wherever wherever's needed. Yep. And he came up to me one night. Uh, we were, I think we we're only like maybe like five years apart. Young young guy, he's going to be retiring real soon. And he said, "Pivko." Uh, a lot of people can't pronounce my last name, so don't worry about it if you can't. But um, he came up to me. He's like, "Hey," I like, guess he kind of saw that I was. I I want to say he he didn't think I was the right fit because that never came out of his head, but. He saw me as a really good guy. He's one of the few people that I still keep in contact with. I think I talked to him very recently, recently being within like the last two weeks. He said, when you go home at night or you go home in the morning, because I left at 7 a.m., uh, right when people are getting ready to go to work. So I was 11 to 7 shift. So he says, when you go home in the morning, take off your uniform and do not think of this place. There is more to life than uh, working at, at this facility. Uh, I mean, very appreciative to have you and at the same time, learn a lot and one of the best things of advice I can give somebody is if they want to get into corrections or law enforcement, uh, there is a phrase called be aware and beware. And what does that mean? So be, being aware is overseeing your surroundings, know what's going on, and beware because you never know who's looking at you. So do you have any uh, stories from your short time in corrections, in the jails? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of good stories. Uh, a lot of the stories may have not involved me, but I had to, I worked with some really funny people. Uh, I think it's kind of like the way we stress. Uh, I know that you're you're involved in law enforcement as well. So when people who are in law enforcement, they have this uh, what is called a, a dark sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of like how we uh, debrief as to uh, some of the, the conflicts that we've seen. Uh, one of the guys, he actually lives probably about like five miles away from me. Uh, he was kind of like the, the jester. Everyone knows what a jester is, basically kind of like the uh, comedian to uh, break down the level of stress between the inmates and the staff as well. Uh, he was with me one night because uh, he w- he did the overnight shift. He preferred that because he had another job to do in the morning. And he was, he's also a dad as well, so dad is the is a full-time job times 12 from what I've been told. But um, he wa- he came up to me one morning or one night, and <laughs> he was talking about some of the former inmates. We were talking about this uh, one inmate that uh, – we were, I was still out of Brazil before he got transferred to uh, Northern State Prison in Newark. He says, um, that guy was actually spent time in the federal prison. I don't really have a good understanding as to what federal uh, prison is compared to uh, state prison, so don't ask, because otherwise I'm going to give you an Eli Manning look. Basically, I'm going to be confused if you give me that question. I have this thing called uh, Google. I can give you an answer based on Google if needed. But um, <laughs> he came, he's like, hey, uh, Pifko, see this guy? He spent time in the federal prison, and it's like, all right, great, and you're telling me this why? So he worked in the uh, booking uh, stage when this guy came in, and he, when you're in booking, the, you have to ask certain questions. Have you ever spent time in a prison? Do you have any uh, people in here that uh, you consider an enemy, or is there anything that, are you involved in any gangs? So it's basically a classification unit to figure out, hey, where can I put this guy? And this guy uh, says, yeah, I spent time in a federal prison before. And he stopped, like, kind of like, kind of like the look I'm giving me right now, because he start, went out when I'm saying that is he's thinking and he's trying to figure out where he was. And he says, "Yeah, I was in a, a federal prison once," and he's like, "All right, where?" And he stopped and he's like, "Uh, Virginia," and he's like, "The guy's like, okay." He's like, "Or was it uh West Virginia?" And the guy looks at uh the uh, correction officer, he's like, "You know that there's a a West Virginia now." And uh, this guy, <laughs> the um, my uh, coworker's like, yeah, and it's been there for a while. And then, uh, yeah, the, the guy talked back saying, yeah, it's kind of like uh, how you have uh, Dakota and South Dakota. <laughs> Some inmates are not good at geography. Spoiler alert. But um, it's stuff like that that I remember. It's it's funny when I think about my time. I never had a bad day there. So let's uh, let's go off on that that tangent. I. Very appreciative of what I did there. It was quick learning opportunity. Very appreciative of it. I would not go back again, but I appreciated the time that I was there because I met some great people as well as some great inmates as well. Who's one of the um, Who's one of the great inmates that you met? You told the story about Clark, and um, I think I think it's an amazing story. If if you could just share that, who who is that guy, Clark Fredericks? Oh, absolutely. And before we begin talking about Clark, I have permission to talk about everybody that we will be talking about today as well. 
I received Clark's blessing uh, months ago when I started to get involved in the podcast. Without uh, Clark, I probably would have never left the facility. Uh, one of, he is a tremendous role model to my life. I sent him a message on Friday just to check in. Great relationship with the guy. I'm very privileged to uh, have met him. A little bit about me as well is I have a degree in, in a, what do I have a degree in? Let's change it. Sends around. All right, so I have a associates in journalism and a bachelor's in communications. I'm also finishing up a degree in cybersecurity, which we, I'm sure we'll be talking about at yeah. some point today. Uh, what, when I got hired by the sheriff's office, I kind of did my own investigation as to figure out who some of these people were. And when uh, I, what I did was uh, we have this uh, newspaper. I don't even know if it's around anymore. It's uh, the New, New Jersey Herald. It's our county newspaper. And I was looking into it. I want to say, hey, who are they talking about? Because I know I'm going to be running into these people relatively soon when I get hired by the sheriff's office. Uh, but a little something about Citizens County. If you uh, go on Google and type in Citizens County, your answer is going to be why. <laughs> no, nothing really happens in my community, which I'm very appreciative of. I'm not in a stressful area. I'm in a great area. I'm very appreciative that my parents uh, found Citizens County as well. I now have my own house, but um, I'm very privileged to uh, live where I am. A lot of people compl- complain about New Jersey. But it's uh, Murphy's Law. Anything bad can happen. But where I am, it's it's very, very great. I'm, a lot of my friends say, hey, you live in a great area. I'm like, yeah, there's a reason why I live here. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, Clark's story was uh, well known. It was a household uh, conversation here in the county. And what happened to him was uh, it was similar to what happened back in uh, June of 2002 when the uh, Penn State investigation went on involving Clark. Uh, let's try to again. Involving Jerry Sandusky. And it was involving a former football coach, a defensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken. I try not to know too much about him, but unfortunately I do. Uh, he was doing awful things to children. And during that time, Clark was going through this, what is called a repressed memory. He went through the same trauma that these children who were impacted by Jerry Sandusky. And Clark went on a downward spiral. He was doing drugs. He was doing things to his body. He pretty much uh, didn't see a, a reason to live. And he talked to one of his friends one night and said, hey, this uh, happened to me. And his friend says, you got to do something about it. So in June of 2012, I don't remember the day off the top of my head. I want to say it's June 12th. I'm pretty sure I'm wrong, but I'm pretty close to the date. Uh, Clark went over to uh, this uh, guy who molested him as a kid. And they lived within probably like two miles of each other. This guy was his former Boy Scout leader. He was also a retired corrections officer at the facility I worked at. This guy was long retired, well before I was even there. And I don't like talking about the guy's name. I don't don't see value in talking about this individual, so I'm just going to leave out his name because I don't feel him as important. But um, Clark got into a struggling altercation with the guy, and Clark ended up killing this guy that night. Uh, There's not a lot of uh, stories like this that happen in in, uh, my area, let alone anywhere. But the uh, next day, the... uh, the state police found out where Clark was, and Clark was uh, realized that he was probably not going to live after that day. He was drinking. He wanted to do what is uh, referred to as a suicide by cop. Mm. So uh, when the police came out and they got him, Clark walked out. He was I remember he took like a last swig of vodka and says, all right, this is it. But um, Clark uh, survived. Uh, he didn't get ambushed, and they brought him to the uh, uh, state headquarters over in Augusta. And Wait, let me stop you. A, let me stop you. Did he sure. did he walk out with a gun in his hand? No. Oh, okay. No. Okay, that's actually a good question. But um, as I said before, you and I were talking not too long ago. A tone of voice can pretty much be the entire conversation. Yes, there's a conversation. There's a t- there's communication going on, but a tone can make or break. It can basically be a synopsis to, as to how the conversation is going. Uh, when the uh, detective came in, he looked at Clark and he realized that something was wrong. So uh, this uh, detective, he said, he says, hey, you have to stay quiet. I'm going to walk you through this. Do not say anything because he saw that Clark was hurting. He realized this wasn't your average, uh, this wasn't your daily story that happened in our area. And Clark was, uh, was going to be sentenced to a life in prison. But thanks to a great attorney as well as the people who f- found his story, Clark ended up uh, serving a uh, five-year sentence. Most of the time was sent was spent in a county jail where I worked at. I think he was there for about a, a little over four years, maybe a couple months, and he went to a Northern State Prison once again in uh, Northern in uh, Newark, New Jersey, and he got out re- released on bail. And everything that Clark uh, talked about when he was at the jail, he's done. 
He wanted to become a victim's advocate. He's done that. He wanted to uh, be a motivational speaker. He's doing that. We had this thing uh, back in 2020 called uh, COVID. I wasn't sure if you know about that. But um, that kind of uh, put a uh, cease on a lot of things for his life and let alone everyone as well. He's finishing up a book right now. It's done. We're waiting for a publication to happen. He talked about this when he was in jail. He always he was a model inmate. He talked to the other inmates regardless of how old they were or what type of degree. Didn't matter if they were if what their ethnicity was. I'm very happy because I was able to pronounce that word on the first try. Yay for me! But um, he came up to me one day of all people. I was a once a long time ago. I was quiet. I know people who know me now is like, yeah, that's impossible. That's plagiarism right there. No, it's actually true. And um, he came up to me. He's like, Pifko. He's like, what are you doing here? Um, what? So he says, you know, I, I've talked to you a couple times. I've looked at you. I've observed you. You're not like the other corrections officers. What are you doing with these clowns? Clowns being the inmates. That is his, his words, not mine. So if any of the former inmates are listening to this, that's not my words, his but um, I knew exactly what he was talking about when he said that. And that was kind of like around the same time where I was questioning myself as well. Uh, there's this uh, one song I listened to by Hollywood and Dead. And there's a line that says, your blindfold's on tight and you like what you see. I was just there for observations. And and I, it was, I knew this wasn't my, the right fit for me, but I liked what I was doing. It was a paycheck. And I realized it wasn't going to be a forever thing. Clark saw that instantly. And this was right when Clark was getting sentenced. And... I saw him the day before he was transferred to a Northern State Prison. I say, Clark, um, I'm going to pray for you. And I I look forward to talking to you upon your release. He got released, and I want to say a little before Christmas back in 2016. I can't believe 2016 is like almost like six years ago. It feels like it was just yesterday, but uh, time does some crazy things to us. And Clark, uh, when he got released, I added him on Facebook. Say, hey, I doubt you remember me because, once again, no one remembers the quiet people. That's why I'm loud now. But um, Clark's like, of course I remember you. And we, we started. We were talking on Facebook, sending on Facebook Messenger, going back and forth. And he says, "Hey, I just want to let you know I've left corrections. Like that's the best thing I've ever heard. Thank you." So that was that was quite the message. And we just became very close. And this is right when he was becoming a victim's advocate. I spent a lot of time in when I was in college. I took victimology. One of my favorite classes, uh, Professor uh, Rich Pompelio, one of the greatest people I'm ever going to meet. He's kind of like, when you talk about like the, what is that? Oh, wow, I totally just blanked on this. Um, when you talk about like your top four people of all time on, on the mountain, I can't remember what, oh, Matt Rushmore, Matt Rushmore. Of, uh, <laughs> of people, of uh, professors. He is number one. So um, his story was right there. Uh, actually, Professor Pompelio actually uh, uh worked with uh, Clark as well on his case now I think about it I haven't thought about that in a while um, I totally forgot what we were going with on this but um oh uh, Clark uh, wanted to uh, start doing speaking engagements he spoke at uh, Centenary University which is in Hackettstown you're talking about maybe like 30 minutes from where I'm sitting and that was his first uh, speaking engagement and then back in February of 2020 BC BC standing for before, before COVID he spoke at his high school Kennedy State or Kennedy High School and Hampton, New Jersey, and he was in an auditorium, and a high school auditorium here in the Sussex County could probably fit around 300, 350, 400, whatever the population was, and that auditorium was packed. There was people standing room only at some points that, it, I, we might have broke this thing called fire code, so if the fire marshal's listening, we were great, we absolutely were following fire code that day, but um the way uh, Clark spoke, uh, he said something that I knew his story very well, and I talked to him prior to it. I, I I know his story, but the way you can read a story until someone talks about it, the way their tone of voices, the way their eyes are moving, your eyes can tell the entire story as well. And Clark spoke about uh, when the uh, state police uncovered uh, digital evidence on uh, uh, this the person that he I was going to say the name. I don't like talking about the guy. But uh, when they uncovered this uh, former corrections officer's computer and they found all this horrific evidence, something in my mind clicked. And I'm now in a class called Digital uh, digital Forensics. And the way that he was saying that is like, wow, Clark's talking to me in a different way. He's saying something and I'm translating it in my own mind. The way he spoke about it is like, hey, 
I can do a I I left the uh, sheriff's office years ago and I didn't really have a a plan for what was going to happen next and Clark kind of accidentally paved the way as to why I'm doing what I'm doing right now with cybersecurity. Uh, the very next day, I actually I was very influenced by what he said. He said, "Hey, Clark's telling me something, and I think I can do something different in my life." And I they have this thing called ethical hacking, breaking into uh, people's computers uh, legally. Once again, legally, I'm yeah. not doing anything. I'm not a black hat hacker at all. I'm still learning all all the things that I have to learn as well. But um, when he said that, it's like, wow, he's telling me something, and it totally changed my mind. Very next day, I applied to college. I wrote to Clark saying, hey, your story impacted me this way. I can only imagine what Clark's uh, reaction was. Like, that really wasn't on my agenda. But um, <laughs> I'm actually laughing at it right now. But um, Clark's words inspired me. And you never know where you're going to get inspiration from. And I don't think if, if Clark never, if I didn't attend that speaking engagement, I don't know if I would be in school right now. Time does some uh, magical things to us. And I'm glad that, I opted to go to his uh, speaking engagement that night because it wasn't for Clark. I I don't know what. I don't have an answer as to what would have happened between then and now. I can't really go back and say, hey, I'm not going because I went and it was the best decision I made in, back in 2020. It's amazing how uh, one message, one speaker can change your entire direction of your life because something that they say just clicks within you and then all of a sudden you're like you have an epiphany moment and you decide oh wow the state police they did forensics on this computer and they were able to get all of this uh all of this data and all of this you know information and you're like i'm gonna do the same thing but you're not gonna work for the state police you're gonna work as an independent contractor uh, doing the same thing and independent contractors for all the people that don't know make way more money than when you work for the state or the government you almost always make more money as an independent contractor than you do working for the government or working for uh, a company be independent be your own contractor did you take to school um, like a fish out of water was it because you're a really smart guy and sometimes some of the words you use are above my pay grade. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. That's a, that's awesome. I love talking to smart people. I love surrounding myself with smart people and I believe that the people you surround yourself with um you know, they average you out. So did you take the school like a fish out of water? Like did, was it easy for you or uh or or not? I can't say it was easy because if it was easy, I would have been already graduated. But um Finding the right school can be uh, very difficult sometimes. Uh, there are so many schools out there. Uh, I, I'm doing my classes online. I was initially at another school. It was actually at the school I graduated. I Last time I graduated college, I think we're talking about 2010, although there's a typo on my diploma. It says I graduated in 2011, but I wasn't going to fix that. So it was a little over uh, 10 years since I last graduated. Uh, I've done a lot better now than when I was 10 years ago. I think the difference between... Uh, now and 10 years ago is that I have more experience, field experience, and I have a higher appreciation as to what college was. 10 years ago, college was a chore. Uh-huh. Uh, now it was saying, hey, you had 10 years, you've done okay, but you can do better. So um, I was initially at one college. I, what was that school? Uh, Thomas, Thomas Edison State University. Nothing wrong about the school. I just realized, realized that I can do a lot better. When I spoke to the advisor, they looked at me and said, all right, here, looked at your transcripts, like, yeah, you've had them already. It's like, yeah, we want you to take college algebra. I'm like, okay, that's what 19-year-olds do. And I have five math classes already under my belt. Why are you making me do this? Like, well, you can test out of it. I'm like, there's a good probability I will not be here after the next semester. <laughs> so um, I got an argument. I, I like I, I argue with myself all the time. It's I'm, I'm my, my best host in my head. But um, I realized that uh, I was being viewed as as a dollar sign. They wanted me to take like sociology classes. I'm like, I have a degree already. I don't need this intro stuff. So I would talk to another university, Colorado State University. The the uh, transfer coordinator sat down with me online talking about, hey, we reviewed your classes. Compared to your other college, you're going to be done a lot quicker. And it was actually a lot cheaper as well. Uh, Colorado State University Global Campus was a tremendous uh, success story for me. 
I'm very close to being done. I think I'm done in 83 days according to my cheat sheet that I have down below. Uh, April 9th is going to be a wonderful day. It's going to be a day of celebration for me and a little bit of sadness because now everything that I worked for is now here and try, next thing is called finding a job with it. <laughs> but um, I'm not intimidated by that because I still have a lot to learn and when I'm done with my degree, my, my I've, I've only just begun. I spoke to uh, Tiffany Jones once again. I've yet to find a, a person with the name Tiffany who I, I don't, don't like. Cause it, for some reason, the nicest people I know happen to be Tiffany. I have a friend out in Arizona named Tiffany. My wonderful cousin is Tiffany and Tiffany Jones. Uh, without her, I would not be at Colorado State University. But I've met some great people uh, through my classes. I'm very connect I connected with a lot of them after class on LinkedIn. I talked to one of them probably on a weekly basis. He graduated back in December, and I'm right around the corner for him. So we've developed a really good relationship as well. It's amazing what uh, college can do. It's challenged me in ways I didn't think were possible. There's been some sleepless nights based on me being uh, who I am. I just I expect the best. I treat every assignment as if, if, if I'm turning in an assignment to my supervisor. I, I think my lowest grade in college so far has been like an 86. And that, that's math class, so I'm not really worried about math. So you but, have a love. You have a love for math. I did not see that at all. <laughs> <laughs> we, the last time I took <laughs> that's pretty the funny. Last time I took math class was uh, back in 2007. George W. Bush was actually president when uh, back in 2007. So when I realized I had to take a, a class called discrete mathematics, my confidence went from here to I'm actually trying to touch the floor right now it's like great this is gonna hurt me really badly and actually I got an A in that class okay I uh, all my if any of my math professors are tuning into there yes I did say I got an A in that class because I can only imagine what their face reaction you're like him he he's lucky enough to spell his name right but um I think what it was as I said before is I would have a higher appreciation as to what college and education does now compared to it being a chore for me and I took what I learned in my past. I spent more time with it. I did tutoring, and without that, I might have gotten B in the class. But I, I have a higher expectations for myself now compared to a, a decade ago. See, you're going for a very spe specialized, specific thing, and you know what direction you're going in. Um, mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's a waste of time for someone who's just going to be going. Um, college is definitely not for everyone and um i'm not a big proponent of people going just to go if you're going for a very specialized specific thing and you know the direction that you want to go in then i'm, I'm all for it but if right. you're just going to get some uh credits i i feel like it's a waste of time when you could be getting life experience and something else uh we talked before about set theory and how you incorporate it into your life um I had never heard of set theory before. You're lucky. <laughs> uh, in terms of mathematics and how you incorporate it into your life, uh, could you explain what that is? Okay, so week one I had to take in my discrete mathematics class, uh, we were introduced to a term called set theory. You can use it in geometry as well. And I was intimidated by it because, as I said before, last time I barely passed uh, my math class in college. I think I got like a C plus in a class, which is average at best. But... um. I told myself, hey, you got to do better than this. And set theory, uh, if any math professors are listening to this podcast, put your earmuffs on right now because I'm going to be doing a great job mispronouncing a lot of terms right now. So when you talk about set, uh, set theory, you're basically talking about groups that belong to us, and we constitute that as elements. So when we talk about elements, we're talking about a term called finite and infinite. Once again, math professors, I... I almost have a degree in English. And I can't pronounce these terms, so if I'm saying I'm wrong, sorry. But um, when you talk about infinite, you're basically talking about one group, and when you're talking about infinite, it's basically a never-ending group called a, I think it's called a uh, positive integer. So the way I broke that down, because those are terms that you kind of give like what is called an Eli Manning look, or I constitute that as a Deer and Hamlet's look. So I tried to find a way to make something that, that sounded like binary math and say, all right, how I how will I interpret this into another way? So I interpreted that as friendship. So when you talk about friendship, you have different groups. You have your friends, you have your friend, your uh, family, you have your neighbors, you have your coworkers, and you have your online friends. So how does that apply to infinite math or infinite? 
Uh, infinite is a uh, never-ending group. So the way I dissected it is you put you put another group in there. So you have what is called close friends. Some of your friends could be your close friends can be your your coworkers. I have a great relationship with a lot of my coworkers. Some of them are in that close friend theory as well. So I can have uh, my neighbors. Uh, I I've, I've only met two of my neighbors. I moved into this house back in December. I've only met two. But some of my former neighbors, I can talk to them to this day. They're classified as close friends as well. Some of my fr friends I met online, they're in that close group element as well. So that's how I, dis I dissected set theory. I say, all right, make this understandable to you. And I think when uh, George Cantor invented uh, set theory back in, I think, in the 1870s, I doubt that uh, he have ever had friendship on his agenda to uh, classify set theory. But I understood it. I got 100 on the assignment that week. And it's uh, that's how I interpret it. I wanted to apply it to real life instead of talking about like Ben Stein through the Wonder Years perspective. I'm like, here's a bracket. That's boring. I wanted to make it understanding and relate it so I can understand it and explain it on a podcast. So uh, why did you start doing podcasts? Because uh, I, I talked to you before, you know, beforehand, and I said you're a really great communicator. I could definitely see you on stage you know, following Clark's footsteps and, and giving speeches that motivate people. Why did you start doing podcasting? Okay. Um, back in, what year were we in? All right, so uh, last year I was uh, accepted into the uh, National Leadership and Success chapter at my college. They have this thing called Motivational Mondays. I still listen to them to this day where they have uh, different speakers. One guy talks to a person every Monday. It's something I look forward to. Mondays are actually my uh, favorite day of the week. I don't think a lot of people can say that when they, when they say because a lot of people, they wake up, they dread it, and like, Monday's great because I know what's coming out. I'm, I'm going to be listening to somebody for about 15, 20, 30 minutes, however long it is, and it gets me going. It gets me started for the entire week. Uh, towards the middle of, uh, I think probably back in June, I hit a snag, and it says, um, I can talk better than some of these people. <laughs> and <laughs> I thought about it. I argued with myself, said, hey, I mean, saying and doing are two different things. I said that I can do it, so I have to do it now. So I joined a podcast guest, and the reason why I did that as well is I viewed myself being on stage. What is What do you mean by that? Is um, I will be graduating on April 9th, and I am in under consideration for being class valedictorian. So when you are valedictorian, you're going to be given a graduation speech, and you are going to be talking in front of people on stage. So I am using podcast guests right now as a practice session for, and the hopeful, I mean, if I don't get it, I don't get it. But um, in the likely scenario where I graduate number one, I am not going to uh, fail on stage. That's awesome, man. So even if you don't make it onto that stage, all of the other stages. So one of my mentors, he considers uh, podcasting as little mini stages and uh, you, you don't know how many people are going to hear your message um, of motivation and your message of staying motivated. So how do you stay motivated, by the way? I have a problem with people that, are, that I know that are better than me. So <laughs> the reason why I do that is I'm taking these classes right now. I'm actually getting ready. My, one of my classes just started today. And on Friday, I realized that I am old. Because uh, the professor in the class is actually younger than me. Okay. So <laughs> I was like, wow, um, you're old, buddy. But um, yeah, as I said before, uh, there's people that are better than me. And, I mean, they may not say it. I mean, if, they're, if they say that, bless their heart, good for them. But uh, I can't believe I just said that. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a challenge for me. I wake up in the morning. Uh, I have a subscription to the uh, New York Times. I read. I see what's going on in the world. I say, hey, I want to get better at something. And. And how I get better is through educating myself. That's how everyone improves. They learn through others. I read. I like. I like what's going on in the world. I do. A, I, it's it's my cup of tea for my daily life. It's my, I I can't operate without reading at least thirty minutes in the morning. I wake up at five thirty every day, no matter what time it is. I mean, no matter what day it is, Sunday through Saturday, no matter what. I need to read for thirty minutes. See what's going on in the world. My cop. My I like talking about cybersecurity. I like know what's, what's going on. I. I'll know what threats are going on, and when I graduate, I'm still going to know 
there's current events. I mean, heck, I have a degree in journalism. If I don't know what's going on, I just wasted a whole lot of my uh, education. I just paid off one of my student loans back in 2020. So if, uh, if I'm not knowing what's going on, wow, you waste a lot of money on not doing research. So um, one of the things I could see you doing after you graduate is having a podcast of your own where it's almost in that journalistic style and um, maybe you're reporting on cyber things, so, something like that. That's where I could see, but in a motivational way, I, I, I don't know. It's just, I could see you doing one or the other. I could see you on, on an actual stage as being a motivator, or I could also see you as a podcaster talking about, you know, current events in cybersecurity, uh, Snowden, you know, the Snowden interview. That's kind of old now, but it's still, it's still very relevant. Um, I know that people that are afraid of having trackers injected in them are ridiculous because they can track you from your cell phone anyway if they really, really wanted to. And um, they can tap into your microphone whenever they want to. There's, there's so many things that <laughs> there's so you have cameras and microphones all around your house voluntarily uh, that you've placed there that people can tap into whenever they want you know I and I know that that's why um, I don't worry about people tracking me or like I, I'm smart about it you know like I cover my camera when I'm off of it and I turn off my microphone but I also I'm aware that people can tap into stuff like that uh, without revealing any secrets I'm sure you've probably learned some pretty cool things about you know what people can tap into and hack into mm -hmm. and like you know like and our our world is just becoming more and more uh, digitized anyway. So right. as we become more digitized, our lives become privacy becomes less and less. And like you're pretty out there and open anyway. So you might as well you might as well craft your own story and craft your own narrative and put it out out there anyway. Because like I said. Uh, privacy is becoming like pretty much like pretty much everyone knows what's going on in your life you know <laughs> what is privacy by the way <laughs> yeah what, what is privacy that, that that's gone um, how do you uh, how do you set your your goals like because we're in the new year a lot of people are are starting to uh, like around January 15th people have already forgotten about their new year's resolutions <laughs> We're on. We're recording this on January sixteenth. Probably won't be recorded, uh, released for a couple of months. You know, maybe February or March because I'm so far ahead in my recordings. But um, people's New Year's resolutions will be long gone by then. Uh, how do they set themselves up for the best year? I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. By the way, um, I do Neither what do I, I said. <laughs> Good. Uh, there are waste of time and waste of time thinking. So don't waste your time on thinking on stuff that you're not going to remember a few days from now. Instead, um, I do uh, daily goals, weekly goals, monthly goals, and I guess you can classify yearly goals and New Year's resolution if you really care about that term. But um, I always also do something that is uh, called do one thing every day that scares you. You only get one life, so don't waste it. I mean, I used to have a, a really bad fear of heights. And I said before, I just bought a house recently, and uh, when someone buys a house, they kind of have this term called what is called a money pit. So uh, when I bought the house, I knew a few things I needed to get done. Uh, one of that was uh, we're going to be replacing the roof relatively soon, probably around this time the podcast comes out, probably, in, as you said before, probably March or whenever it yep. is. But um, I got up on the, uh, on the on the roof the other day with uh, the person who was doing the contracting, and I... My, my uncles are uh, contractors, so I have a good understanding with these people. I don't, unfortunately, not everyone trusts contractors because for every good contractor there is, there's eight of them that are not good. So I always was tracking them. I went on the roof with them. Talk about privacy, right? We're talking about tracking now, too. But um, <laughs> I was up there and I realized that I didn't feel comfortable on that roof. I walked like a snail getting on there, but you're overcoming your fears. I'm like, all right, there's my uh, one scare tactic for the day. I'm getting that over with. And <laughs> tonight we're getting snow. Uh, for people who live out west, we have this thing called snow. You guys don't get that, so good for you. 
But um, I'm gonna be driving in it relative probably probably like ten hours from now, maybe if not earlier, because I'm I'm on the road department, so we're getting ready to for this upcoming storm. I think it's called Izzy. I don't know why they class. I don't know why they call like storms by names now with snow, storm Lizzie, Izzy or whatever it's called. But um, I like to uh, do daily goals. Uh, my goal for today is not to uh, stutter on this podcast. So do, so far we've do, done pr- pretty well with that. Did you have a stuttering problem? No. Ah, oh, ah. Oh. I just wanted to sound sound professional, sound good. But um, I wanted to sound sound great on this podcast. Oh man, you sound, so far you, I've done pretty well. You sound great. You sound like a pro, man. I, there like, you go. Like I said, I was really really excited to have this conversation with you because yeah. uh, I had heard you on another, and I was like, oh, he's he's a good guest. Um, I know that you have as many jobs as any Jamaican out there. <laughs> you mentioned you. I prefer the term Caucasian, actually. <laughs> uh, you're a Jamaican. What? There you go. <laughs> you're making me. You're making me crazy. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> you're making me crazy. Uh, you mentioned the road department. Mm-hmm. Um, what's? I know. How else do you support yourself? Because I know you got multiple jobs. I class. I I really wish I had a, a job description for my job. I mean, I'm updating my resume and I'm looking at that and I'm gonna feel like I don't even know how to describe what I do for a daily basis because every day changes. I think on my resume I classify myself as an administrator. That's kind of like a way I kind of put it down as a mutt. When you're talking about a mutt, you're talking about a mix. I do a lot of things. Uh, over the summer, I am a uh, lifeguard instructor for Lake Mohawk Country Club, and they don't want to lose me, so they keep me around year round. So they give me a different tasks, and I think back in November I started working for the road department. I'll probably stop doing that in uh, end of March and go on to my uh, main reason why I work there. So it's uh, I wear different hats as well. It's a small business, so when anyone that works in a small business realizes that you do multiple things. So one day I, I may not be working for the road department. I might be working out in Houseman. I might be doing uh, actual administration stuff, doing uh, budgeting. I, I do... I, I wish I had a job description. That would be great to start with because I don't have one. But at the same time, I appreciate that because if you do the same thing over and over again, you're going to get burned out and you're going to get bored with it. I like doing, seeing different people every day, and I'm very fortunate that for some reason my job likes me. Have you considered starting your own small business? Because I think uh, one of the keys is knowing the math, you know, knowing the numbers. And uh, obviously you're a mathematician to a certain degree, uh, more so than me. But... Have have you considered that? It's uh, something that's uh, in the prowl. I thought about it as well. Um, I'm getting ready to uh, most likely be joining a admissions board at, at my uh, college. They reached out to me. I'm going to be talking to them on Tuesday. And uh, part of the, I think why they found found out about me is I'm also on a, a nonprofit organization board here in Sussex County. It's a Family Promise of Sussex County. We work with the uh, current or at risk homeless population. And I've been with them since for approaching three years, actually. I'm now, I think I'm the vice president with them. And I, it's an all-volunteer base. I look forward to it. I'm learning so much about this organization, too, because I thought I knew Sussex County. And prior to joining that, I was like, wow, you pretty much know everything. I realized I didn't know anything. <laughs> and I, with, with uh, joining the board, it's like a first-class education as to what's going on. Uh, I'm, I'm learning how to do budgeting. I'm learning financing. I'm learning what really goes on in Sussex County as well. And without that information, I everyone has a reason why they uh, join a, bo- a board. Some people join for, say, hey, this sounds like fun. Uh, that's not the reason why I joined. I wanted to make an impact on my community and also get an education as well. And part of that is you have a learning curve. It takes somebody maybe a year to understand what exactly a, being a board member is. Uh, we get... I probably get three, four emails a week involving uh, family promising, and I enjoy every single one of them because it's a learning. There's a reason. There's a reason why every email is going out because it's a conversation. Say, hey, this is our problem right now. How can we solve that? I mean, I, I'm studying cybersecurity. I, I find prob- I try to get rid of problems as well, and I'm very fortunate to uh, be part of this agency, and I love donating to them, and I love going to these whether it's in person or doing a zoom call it's something i look forward to because there's problems that we can solve do i know every answer no but i'm going to find out because i work with some intelligent people that are have more knowledge than i do and i like learning from them that's really cool um 
Who are some of your heroes that you've learned from? I, you've already mentioned a few. That's actually a really good question. Um, you really never know who's going to make an impact in your life. I mean, I'm very fortunate. I, I have my parents. They're, they're great people. And I also have a, another set of parents. Uh, I call them my non-biological parents. They're basically your family friends who turn out to be your parents as well. So uh, when I talk about my parents, my coworkers are like, all right, which parents are you talking about? Your, your real parents or your non-biological parents? And I'm very fortunate to be a part of their life as well. I adore them. They get Father's Day. They get Mother's Day cards from them. Uh, both both family, I, both both sets of family. Talk about safe theory right there. There's another set you can put together in a group. So um, uh, very close with my friends. I have some uh, wonderful friends as well. Uh, one of my heroes is... Uh, I actually never thought about this just now until now. So you actually threw me a good question. I appreciate that. Uh, one of my heroes is uh, a gentleman named Christopher Miller. He lives in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. He is a very close friend of mine. As I said before, we talked about set theory earlier. He was originally classified as what is an online friend, but he, I, I don't care about online friends. That's a really awkward definition, but um, he is a vocal point uh, to my success. He's been like a uh, inspiration to me. He's kind of like a positive cheerleader for me. If I, we all have, we or at least we should have the person. Uh, if you're having a bad day, you know who to contact. That's my that's my point of contact. If I'm stressed out, this guy's gonna listen to me. He's not gonna give me all the advice. He's gonna say he, he can listen. Does he need to know every answer? No. But if I'm having a bad day, sometimes you just need to talk to somebody. Rather, it's two, three, five, thirty minutes. He's going to listen to every aspect as well. I've learned a lot through him, and I hope that he's learned a lot through me as well. Mm. Uh, what's your definition of a hero? Good question. It's um, being able to accept change and acclimate it as well and do it for the positive as well. You don't have to do it for the glory. Just being able to make an impact on someone's life for the better is a definition of a hero. And you mentioned when you're stressed out, that's actually my second question. Uh, second of five is my last five for you. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on. How do you uh, save yourself when you're feeling stressed out? You mentioned giving a call to friends and having someone to talk to, but what, what else do you do uh, when you're really feeling like pulling the rest of your hair out? <laughs> I actually have gel in my hair so my hair doesn't fall out. I try to look nice for you uh, today, but um, I realize when you put on the pet hair phones, when I take this off whenever at some point today, my hair is going to go all in different directions. So <laughs> I try to keep my hair in one direction, but um, talking about a hair raising subject there, sorry. But um, what do I do for when I'm stressed? There's a lot of things I do, actually. Um, I don't know if that, I, I don't know if we ever had this conversation, but um, I would... I used to do a lot of obstacle course races. I was a member of the uh, Spartan race community. I don't want to say was because I'm coming back to it. I miss it. So uh, with that is you do a lot of exercise and a lot of workouts. I, just, I moved to an area where there is a hill that goes all the way like this. And I can only get up to here right now without stopping. So my goal is to get all the way to the top. It's called practice. So I go for a run. I try to go about four times a day. Right now, or now, four let's times try a day. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, you, you have a degree in communications. You cannot talk right now, Derek. So uh, I try to run like four or five times a, a week. Yeah. Uh, right now, as of uh, recording, we are currently at four degrees, so I am not going running today. But um, I, it's uh, my way of debriefing, and there's so many ways to uh, uh, to uh, de-stress yourself. I think going for a run for 30 minutes, or even for a walk as well. Just taking time out of your day, getting you out of that stressful element. Say, hey, man, mental health is a is a difficult thing to uh, overcome. And the way I see it is, uh, our minds are. I classify it as a in musical instrument. Once again, I I don't play a musical instrument. I tried saxophone when I was in fourth grade, and I realized I can't read music. But um, the way I constitute our mind is, it's an instrument in itself, and we never master it. But uh, when we make a mistake, that's kind of like. I, I would say relatively to putting it down as hitting the wrong note. So ha what do you do when you hit the wrong note? Do you panic or you say, hey, I made a mistake, play the next instrument, hit the next note, make make the next move in your life. No, you so, just keep playing. Exactly. I mean, not everything's going to go perfect. If uh, everything went according to plans, do you know how boring our life would be? <laughs> when uh, Before we hit record, we were talking about uh, – 
the book by Donald Miller that I, I just downloaded on Audible today. Uh, it's called Hero on a Mission. And in that book, he talks about the four main characters of a story, the villain, the victim, the hero, and the guide. And I think with all of your experience and life, uh, life experiences and, you know, just your life story in general, I think you'd make an excellent guide to someone that's looking for uh, a little help and guidance in what their next move might be. Uh, would you ever consider coaching? Uh, I know you already have a pretty busy plate, but you know, maybe down the line. My plate is never full. That's awesome. So the answer is yes. That's awesome. What's your power? What's your, 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 your strength, your best ability? Good question. Uh, being able to listen to others, uh, as I said before, uh, one of the, I haven't thought about this, but um, I think one of the best things I learned in corrections was being able to look at somebody in the eye when they're talking. As I said before, our eyes can tell the entire story. If you don't look at somebody, you're totally missing out on the entire conversation. As I said before, a tone of voice can also be the entire message. You can block what someone's saying, but however, it's not a good thing to do, but. If you listen to their tone of voice as to how they pronounce, how their eyes move, if my eyes pop out, that means I'm excited, or wow, this makes sense. But um, looking at their eyes, I learned that through corrections. I mean, I, I learned a lot through that, but being able to detect how people communicate with others, mine does not be by uh, what they're saying, because the tone and their eye movement can be, oversee the entire story. This is a tangent that you just brought me to. Um, one of the things that I learned in the police department was watching the hands. And I'm sure you probably learned that in corrections too. Uh, mm -hmm. Not just watching the hand, eyes, but watching the hands. Because uh, were you, you said you never had a bad day, but was there ever a time where you like felt threatened by anyone in, in the jails? Yeah. Okay. I haven't thought about this story. So if I botched the story, it's just I haven't thought about this in like six years. Um, not every inmate is a good person um, <laughs> uh, they all make mistakes and some of them are serving it for a good reason uh, when uh, when you have these uh, new recruits that come into the jail as uh, corrections officers their first time it, the first time working in the facility some of the inmates are going to pick on them because they want to see what this person's really like Test they call they it testing them there you go. There you go. I, I couldn't think of that word yep. of my life, depending on it. Somehow testing just wasn't in my vocabulary today. So um, I had this one inmate. Uh, I don't remember his name. I, I can paint his picture of him. He pretty much put a picture of what, what a rat looks like and then classified that, that and that's his face right there. Um, he was testing me, and I was getting a little impatient with it, and I didn't want to – I kind of like – when you go in corrections or in law enforcement, you have this thing, what is called a mask. You don't show your emotions. When you leave that room, you go into the next room, or if you're talking to somebody else, then you can kind of like debrief, say, hey, this guy's being a human hemorrhoid on the <laughs> on the answer society to me. So um, uh, one one a correction officer, actually, uh, I'm actually still talking to him to this day. I, yeah, this guy's a lot bigger than me. He said, hey, this guy's giving me problems. He's like, oh, yeah, who's that? <laughs> so I said the guy's name, and the very next day, the the inmate came up to me like, hey, um, I am so sorry for what I said to you. That's never going to happen again. I didn't mean to do that. Um, I totally apologize. You're never going to have a problem with me ever again. Never had a problem with him. That's a great story. That's a really, really good story. Uh, so big, thank you. Thank you, Officer Pampin, for that as well. So <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of the things uh, for the people who are not in law enforcement is uh, your brothers and your sisters, they have your back. And that's one of the things that you learn very, very early on is they have your back. My last question for you, because I respect your time and I really appreciate you being on. Uh, just, You're always welcome to talk anytime. Yeah, man, we're gonna we're gonna keep it going off the camera, but uh, we're friends on LinkedIn now too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, if, oh, two questions. If people want to find you and they want to link up with you, uh, how how should they link up with you? Where should they find you? Absolutely. Uh, I have this thing on the computer called Google. If you type in my name, there's going to be a couple of things that pop up. I think the very first thing that pops up is uh, my LinkedIn profile. So you type in the name Derek Pifko, you're going to see a guy that looks like me. That's me. 
You look so different on your profile, by the way. You look younger, and and I think you. I saw a picture. Are you saying I look old? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, it happens to the best of us. We all age. I got these uh, crow's feet in the sides of my eyes yeah. now. When I smile, and I smile a lot. So every single time I smile, the crow's feet just get worse and worse. <laughs> so I know I'm getting older. But uh, yeah. yeah, there's pictures of you running, and I'm like, is that Derek? It looks like it looks like you, but like. You yep. know, less clothes on. <laughs> How many Spartan races? is monitoring our conversation now. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it's going, it's going left now. It's going left. How many, yeah. uh, how many races have you done? I don't have an answer actually for that. Um, more, and, more than a dozen. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I've done races. Let's see if I can break it down. Um, first uh, Spartan race was in West Point, New York. I, I always thought West Point, New York, was just uh, the military for for the United States uh, Army. Turns out West Point's actually a town. <laughs> and, um, and then after that, I've done races here in uh, New Jersey, a town called Vernon, New Jersey, Mountain Creek for people who ski. I never want to go. If I, I, One of my friends like, hey, how is Mountain Creek? I'm like, hey, if I ever go missing, that is the last place on earth you ever find me. Because <laughs> that place was, that wasn't fun. But I, I, I can laugh at it now. When I, when I did the race, I don't think I was laughing at all. But it's a memory. Some of those races, races, some of those races are brutal, and I've never done. Oh, yeah. I've never <laughs> done one before because I have no desire to like put myself through that. <laughs> but some yeah. of, some of them I know can be brutal. Yeah, and uh, one thing I always talk about is uh, fear management, overcoming obstacles. I think Spartan race is the epitome of what fear management is as well. We're, we're all scared of things. Uh, my fear is actually it's kind of a funny thing because I don't think a lot of people have this fear. I'm fear of scorpions. I lived in Arizona for a number of years. When I put my shoes on to this very day, there are no scorpions in New Jersey that I'm aware of, but I still shake my shoes because I don't want to get stung by one of those things. But um, if I see a scorpion, I, I'll jump in the air. I'm going to hug the air until that scorpion's gone. <laughs> but uh, when you talk about fear management, a lot, a lot of people have a fear of flying, and when you get into the Spartan races. They're not getting, they're not rolling out of bed and showing up there. Some people travel great distance to get there. So getting getting through TSA, getting getting on the flight, getting uh, in a rental car. You miss the exit. Great. What do you do? You're gonna reroute. Getting to the Spartan races is an is a fear fear accomplishment in itself because you got from point A to point B safely. Going over these obstacle course races, you can't do some of these obstacles without other people. If someone says they are, they're lying to you. But um, I've done so many races. North Carolina, I've done a multiple in there i've done some in texas i've done some in ohio i've done some in arizona i've done swim races throughout new jersey new york pennsylvania and north carolina as well and it's it's been a fun journey in my life and i miss it Derek, now that school's winding down it's gonna be a whole whole new fun coming back you you mentioned fear of flying and um my last question for you I, i'll just preface it with this uh, a lot of my last question is if you had a comic superpower, what would it be and why? So I'll just let you chew on that for a second. But a lot of people answer flying. And like you said, there is a lot of people out there that have a fear of flying. In my dreams, when I, anytime I ever dreamed of flying, I was always unsteady and like I could barely control the power. Uh, did you ever see the show? It's a really old uh, show. It's quirky. It's called The Greatest American Hero. Negative. So uh, Google that when you get a chance. Look it up on YouTube. Um, it was about this guy that could barely could control his ability to fly. So every time he took off, he could barely control it. And anytime I ever dreamed of myself flying, that was how I was flying. I wasn't flying like with the grace of Superman. I was flying like, like you know, up and down and like barely. And uh, often I would start to float too high. Like, um, I could skip and float for long distances. Like, in my mind, in my dreams, I could I could fly and float uh, about the height of a window. But then I would start to get to, uh, you know, roof height and then the top of trees height. And I would start to feel like I was flying too high. I don't know what that, what that dream necessarily means. But I'll segue that into... My question for you: If you had a comic superpower, what would it be? Yeah, um, I have a uh, minor in atmosphere science. I initially wanted to be a uh, meteorologist until I found out that college physics was almost impossible for me. <laughs> so um, I took enough classes to constitute it as a minor. So uh, when you talk about uh, atmosphere science, you talk about forecasting, basically predicting the future. 
do I want to predict the future? The only way I would want to predict the future is getting those uh, Powerball numbers so I can, I can get rid of this uh, mortgage on my house. So um, I think when it comes to uh, having a superpower, I don't want to forecast time because then my life would be so boring. Yeah. But um, I would basically uh, say, hey, eliminate any potential major mistakes that I'm going to make in life. Uh, do I want to make mistakes? Absolutely, because that is your best medicine of learning. However, I want to eliminate the, the biggest mistakes that I'll make because, I mean, I'm going to learn a lot through that, but I don't want to be uh, depressed over a horrible mistake, whether it's uh, losing a friendship or whatnot, because I don't want to make those mistakes in my life. But I am, so I can't change that. But if I were to have a superhero, that would be that would be my persona. That would be your power. I I really respect you, and uh, you are a quirky genius. <laughs> uh, I think can we get can we get that notarized? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I. I love I love your personality. I love having you on, man. Thank you so much, and I respect you. And good luck with with school, man. Good luck with becoming the valedictorian. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, fingers crossed. And uh, don't hang up because we keep it going. Hold on. All right. Thank you for your time as well. All right, all right, family. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Everyone I interview, I've chosen for you guys because of their story, and I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at David Leith, the number one. Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.